All right, we are talking last week and this week, we are focused on marriage, that marriage today, it still uh, matters. And so some practical ways uh, to talk about it today. Uh, did you know that God loves math? I know some of you probably don't like math very much down here, some of our youth, but uh, God loves math. We see him talking in the, in the Bible about multiplying things or adding things. Uh, he loves to use math. So his math goes something like this. One Adam plus one Eve. One man plus one woman equals one. Now, we most of the time realize we try to make it one plus one equals two. It's foundational. But for God, one plus one equals one. In God's math, a marriage is one. One heart, one hope, one flesh, one future, one family. You know, one is a number that is very hard to divide. Then, out of pure love, God adds himself to the man and the woman and then it becomes one plus one plus one equals one. It's God math. Marriage is a man and a woman and God with them. He offers strength without limit, hope without limit, help without limits, forgiveness, unlimited, comfort, and life. God's math about marriage. One plus one plus one equals one. You have some notes there, and we are talking about marriage uh, still mattering today. You know, uh, we have this longing for a stable, loving, fulfilled marriage. We don't, we don't all the time see that. You know, the difficult marriages get lots of press, but we ought to spend more time talking about the good, lasting, stable marriages, Right? Uh, we see that all around the church, and thank you for, if, if you have a stable, lasting marriage, thank you so much. I can't tell you the impact that solid marriages in the body of Christ have had on my life, starting with my own mom and dad, who uh, were married over 50 years before my dad passed away. Uh, you know, the marriage is so important to us. The number one thing that causes stress in people's life. There are lots of things that stress us, but I think the number one thing is broken relationships, right? I mean, if you're not getting along with somebody close to you, like if, if Kim and I, you know, if we were not getting along, it would, it would impact everything. I'd be all messed up. I wouldn't even be able to get up good on Sunday and, and show up here. You know, I, I need things to be good uh, between me and her um, because relationships can stress us out if those relationships are broken. The closer you are to a person, the closer you get to them, the more conflict that's possible in that relationship. Therefore, marriage could possibly be the most stressful thing in your life. I didn't mean that to be a discouragement in any way. Uh, but when we are close to people, we live with people, we are around them all the time, there can be difficulty. Now, rarely do marriages cave in from external pressure alone because there are a lot of internal pressures that come. And there are three great stresses in marriage. Uh, I'll mention them to you. The lack of consideration, the lack of communication, and the lack of commitment. 
Those three things can have a huge impact. I hear it all the time in counseling couples. Couples will say, she never thinks about me. All he cares about is himself. He won't talk to me. She doesn't make any sense. Maybe I chose the wrong person to get married to. That wasn't you. That was people from another church. You know, the, the, um, the, the good news is that you can overcome these things because they're all choices that we have. Choices. Internal stresses are choices. And so the, the scripture uh, that we're looking at this morning, the kind of the last part of the scripture that we looked at last week, uh, reminds us of what God has to say about these stresses, how God can guide us, give us guidance for a stable and fulfilled marriage. Don't you know that God cares about that? He cares about your marriage. You know, he cared about both those little children that we dedicated right here because they came from him. God designed your marriage. He put you together with those that you are married to or uh, he has a desire to lead you if you have a, a longing to be a part of a, of a marriage. Now, the last time we looked at how the church and Christ come together and that marriage is a model of that relationship. The very last verse, uh, Ephesians 5.33 says, So each husband must love his wife as he loves himself, and each wife must respect her husband. I noticed the word must in there. Did you hear that? That's God saying, Here, here's the guidance. Here's the direction uh, that we long for. So husbands, love your wives just as you love yourself. Wives, respect your husband. So the, the first step, and we'll look at three steps. Step number one, if you're going to have uh, a stable, fulfilling marriage is number one, be considerate of one another. Be considerate of one another. God desires that for us. You know, it's amazing how thoughtfulness uh, and can, can be such a blessing in our life and exactly opposite how thoughtless and inconsiderate sometimes people can be with even the people that they love the most. Uh, one of my uh, one of my things that I that I do often, we you know going places or shopping or wherever we are, is I'm always paying attention. Like most of the time, I'm not paying attention to the shopping. You understand that, right? Uh, you know, she's shopping and she's got something, and I. But I'm watching people. I especially like to watch couples. It's so interesting to hear how people will talk to each other right in public in front of a bunch of other people. They can be so inconsiderate uh, of them. Don't raise your hands. You know, I'm just talking. You know, um, sometimes we can be so insensitive to the other people around us. Um, you know, if 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 I don't feel a particular way, or if I don't. Feel, um, you know, we just kind of dis dismiss it. But sometimes um, I notice that we try to change our mates into what we want them to be. You know, that can be very inconsiderate. You know, you get married and you think, okay, uh, after I get married to him or her, I'm going I'm to get them straightened out. I'm going to get them on the straight and narrow. And so you embark on this personal development plan for your spouse and you're the coach. Soon, they start resisting. Did you notice that? We throw up our hands and we say, why are you acting that way? Why aren't you cooperating? You know it's for your own good, don't you? Very inconsiderate. So how do you, how do you be considerate 
of your mate, your spouse. I'm going to give you a couple things. First of all, some stuff that you can lose. Uh, I, I know some of you are enjoying the weather and you're already thinking about spring cleaning. You know, getting out the garage cleaned out or them boxes out of your, your closet or whatever. You know, what if we did some spring cleaning about some of our character issues? That'd be pretty, I didn't get any amens, but that's okay. Um, you know, because those character is, issues are impacting a stable and fulfilling marriage. So I got a little list here, uh, a little spring cleaning. Uh, and by the way, don't, don't elbow anybody like you're talking about them. You know, let's clean our own house first, right? Okay, so here's some things we can lose. How about lose your sarcasm? Lose your, um, you know, I, I hear sarcasm. Um, I'm, I'm not a very good sarcasm guy. I don't really like sarcasm. Uh, I definitely don't use sarcasm because, you know what? I'm sorry I'm talking about us today. but um, She doesn't like sarcasm. Uh, you know, she thinks if I love her that I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be picking on her or making jokes about her or some kind of mockery about her. You know, sarcasm is kind of like a way that you can get away with saying you're kidding while you get your little jabs in, right? Sarcasm can be very hurtful and it's not very considerate. Look at the Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. You know, we have to be careful what we say. So one way to be considerate is lose the sarcasm. How about this? We'll add, lose your sharp tongue. Me, pastor? A sharp tongue? Yes, you. All of us. We all get included. You know, the tongue can be argumentative, arrogant, harsh, smart aleck, rude. James 3, 8 says, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Uh, you know, I, when you were a child, your mom or dad probably said to you, watch your mouth, right? Well, the sermon this morning is saying, watch your mouth. Do you want a stable, long, fulfilling marriage? You got to watch your sarcasm, watch your, your sharp tongue. And thirdly, let's lose your selfish attitude. Could be the biggest downfall, right? Uh, this inner self attitude of wanting my own way. First Corinthians 13, four says, love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. That applies to our relationships. So those are, those are negatives uh, that we can get rid of. Lose the sarcasm, lose your sharp tongue, lose, lose the selfish attitude. Now, so a couple of positive things that the scripture encourages us with is number one, accept each other's differences. You know, I get a big kick out of uh, marriage counseling and discovering how God has an incredible sense of humor. It's so interesting how he puts people that are exactly opposite and puts them together. The reaction is that you can either take that as a potential blessing or you can feel the pressure. Oh, you notice it. It's probably in this room. One of you is an early riser and the other likes to sleep till noon. One's impulsive and daring and the other is cautious and reserved. One of you loves to spend money. The other is a tightwad. One of you... Very romantic. The other, a dud. One of you is always on time, punctual, organized, well-planned. The other is always late. 
One of you loves to talk and tell stories, and the other is quiet and reserved. God is so funny, isn't he, how he puts us together. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another in the Lord just as Christ has accepted you. You are to accept other people as Christ accepts you, including the person that you're married to. Differences are not wrong. Differences are just different. Two people can be opposite on something and both of them be right. That's news to some of you, right? It's not always your way. You know, you recognize that God gives us the opportunity to have, a, to have differences and perspectives and he still puts us together. So be considerate, Paul is saying, of each other, accepting each other's differences. And then just such a simple thing, just be nice to each other. A note, a phone call, being courteous, being kind. You know, it's the little things in marriage that make the biggest difference. They, it builds the right kind of attitude. It builds a certain atmosphere in your marriage. And those little things, they really count. So be nice to each other. I mean, I think somebody said this, that if there was more courting in marriage, there'd be fewer marriages in court. That, that, that's a good one. Um, the little things make a difference there. The problem is that when you stop dating and you get married, you get complacent. You just get lazy about your relationships. During the engagement period, you're on your best behavior and your breath always smells good and you do nice things for each other and you think about each other all the time. Then you get married and you get complacent. You know, that's one of the reasons for preaching these two messages is to get you out of that complacent place about your marriage. It's like the, the, the newlywed couple, they, were, uh, they pulled into the hotel uh, and uh, we're, we're going to stay there for the night while they're on their honeymoon. And the new bride says, okay, I don't want to be embarrassed by being this newlywed couple. So let's act like we've been married for a long time. And so her husband says, okay, you get the bags. <laughs> so, that's how it goes, isn't it, sometimes? Paul says, husbands love your wives just as you love yourself. And wives, respect your husband. Be considerate of each other. Well, you might say, well, I just don't feel like being so considerate. Do you know that it's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel yourself into an action? One more time. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel yourself into an action. If you wait till you feel like it to be considerate, good luck with that one. You know, when I feel loving, then I'll express love. You know, if you, if you act loving, feelings will follow. If you act with kindness and love, you will feel kindness. If you act loving, you'll feel loving. If you are considerate, you will feel considerate. Act your way into a feeling. Be considerate of one another. Be sensitive to the needs of those around us. Mark Twain said one time, he said, sometimes I can go two weeks on one good compliment. You know, we all need affirmation. Paul says, consider your husband, your wife, because the root of all marriage problems is really wrapped up in, in selfishness. A couple I was with a few weeks ago, um, they, they just came out and said, Pastor, we are just incompatible. And it just blurted right out. I was thinking about this message and it blurted right out. I didn't mean to, it probably hurt their feelings. I said, nope, you're not incompatible, you're just selfish. And it's so true. You know, the, the scripture says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. You know what that's called? 
the golden rule. Jesus says, do that in your relationships with others. Treat the others around you. Treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. Selfishness ruins a marriage because it's so focused on self-centered. So number, step number one is be considerate of one another. Ephesians 4.32 said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. So a reminder, be kind to one another. Step number two. Step two is communicate in love. Communicate in love. That's how you have a stable, fulfilling marriage. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead of speaking the, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. That's a phrase that we all need, right? Speak the truth, but do it in love. Now, why does he say that? Because one of the stresses of marriage is poor communication or lack of communication. It, it's one of the number one complaints. My husband won't talk to me. Or when he does, it's poor communication. One wife said, the only time my husband talks to me is when he wants food, sex, or to change the channels. The rest of the time, he just kind of grunts. God gives us practical instruction, right? Ephesians 4, 26, 27, and 29 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I wonder how, many, how much sleep you would lose over that. Not going to sleep until you kind of get things settled there. You might, uh, you might want to solve those problems, communicate together. Verse 29 says, um, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So don't say stuff that comes out of your mouth that tears down the one that you're married to. Build them up. Build up their needs around you. Uh, another, another verse says, uh, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling, slander with every form of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. That's practical marriage advice from God. Give up those negative things and bring a positive communication into your family. It's a common mistake that we make. You know, we, we end up trying to fix blame rather than fixing the problem. We get busy and we're attacking one another rather than working on what the problem is. We love to accuse and excuse. Accuse you and excuse me. Husbands, love your wives as yourself. Wives, love your husband. Communicate in love. Don't give in to bitterness or hurtful language. You know, do you, ever, do you ever blame your spouse? You know, there are four types of blame. One type of blame is exaggeration. Exaggerating like you never do. You always do. Have I told you a million times? We love to exaggerate. Uh, it's a form of blaming to really make my point by exaggerating. That's one way of blaming. Another is uh, labels. We say things like, get it yourself, helpless. Smooth move, klutzo. Yes, sir, your highness. We like labels like that. It's kind of a little form of that sarcasm. We attack each other with it. But the Bible says that's negative. That's blaming, that's bitterness, that's malice, that's slander. 
exaggeration, labeling. Some of you aren't very talkative right now. I notice that you're kind of just sitting there just, just taking it all in. It's okay. How about this one? This is one of my favorites. The family historian. You know, every family's got one of those. Love to bring up the past. You know, these people have this ability to remember every fault, every mistake, every wrong thing that was ever said, categorize it, file it, get it razor sharp with clarity, and recall it at any particular moment. You know, you remember that verse that says, uh, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And, but man, we got an ammunition dump full of things, all these things that are remembered or stockpiled that we can, uh, that we can hurl back. So uh, any, any, I started to say anybody here, a, a family historian, don't raise your hand. Um, you know, we struggle in those relationships that bring all that stuff up. Uh, it's another way to blame. Four is uh, loaded questions. These are the things that people ask you that they really don't want an answer for because they already think, think they know the answer. Can't you do anything right? How, how are you going to answer that? Or why can't you just act like a human being? Uh, all kind of ways that we put blame. He's saying communicate in love. Uh, one of the major areas that we need is just making sure that we understand each other, that we love each other, that we communicate well with those that we are married to, that we have in our life. He's encouraging us. One of the verses, uh, I think I left this verse out, was Philippians 2, 3 to 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider each other better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ, even though he was God, voluntarily submitted himself in the form of a servant with a submissive uh, attitude. That's his desire for each of us. Paul is saying, be considerate of each other, communicate in love and understand uh, that relationship. Don't get involved in blaming. And then he comes to us not only about consideration and about communication, but then he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And step three, be committed. Committed to marriage. The two become one. The three become one. Fused together, united in God. The, uh, the Old Testament quote uh, that, we, that I just read for you is about Adam and Eve coming together, that they would cleave to one another. It's, it's like taking glue and putting it together with two pieces of paper and then tearing it apart. Uh, do you know that um, th this is like a marriage right here? So we got the blue side for you young men, and we got this pink side for the ladies. Um, and so um, this construction paper is like glued together. It's like one. It's just one piece of paper now. You can't, can't get them separated. So sometimes we come along and we try to separate them. And so we 
Oh, that didn't go very well. Oh, man. Did you know that there's pink on that blue when I pulled that off? And there's all kind of blue left on that pink. That's what happens when you try to divide one. God brings us together and there's still, you know, that's some, that's some of the problems we have with marriage in our society, isn't it? We still got each other still kind of all interconnected with us and we feel that brokenness and that hurt. That right there ought to keep you from getting married, right? Just, hurts, just like that. Just reminding you that you, when you get married, it's for life. It's for a commitment to one another. So how do we do that? A couple suggestions and I'll finish. Uh, number one, Here's one way to have a strong, lasting marriage. I would encourage you to throw away your parachute. Throw away the parachute. You know, if you get on a plane and you throw the parachute out, that means that you're going to finish the journey on that plane one way or another. You're going to stay on there. Um, recognizing, you know, that, you know, back to Kim and I, uh, I remember early discussions that we had before we got married and even after. There was mutual agreement. We didn't know how things were going to go in our, our marriage. You know, I, I told you last week, I knew nothing about marriage when I got married. I, mean, I was 21 and very stupid. Uh, no idea what I was supposed to be doing. But one thing that I knew is that no matter what, we were not getting divorced. No matter what. That's what I mean by throwing out the parachute. You know, if, commit, if the commitment issue is not settled in marriage, that under no circumstances are you getting a divorce, uh, what happens is that when, when the crisis comes, then you feel like you have an out. You have to settle it in advance. Uh, you know, for the sake of your marriage and the person that you're married to, um, close the escape hatch and throw the key away. It provides motivation to work through the difficulties. The, the most amazing stat that I ever heard about divorce, there was this organization that was doing uh, one of these surveys. Now, this was, this was quite a few years ago, but it's still stunning to me. They did this survey of thousands of married couples. Now, this wasn't a Christian organization, but what they were looking for was how do couples that last and are fulfilled, how does it come about? Now, here's what this, not, this not, wasn't a Christian organization. They said that at the time that generally marriages divorced at one out of three. Now, you used to hear even some people say one out of two, but this particular thing, they said that just generally in society, one out of three. But they found out that if, if, some, if people got married in a church, they at least were thinking about like a a Christian marriage, they, um, that the divorce rate went from one out of three to one out of 50. Now, think about this. They dug a little deeper, and they found out that if a, if a couple gets married by a minister, does like premarital counseling and gets ready, goes to church together, has raises their family in the church, prays together, and it lives out their Christian faith, not just in Sunday on a church, in a church, but uh, living it out in their life. You know what the divorce rate went to? Get this, one out of 1,105. Wow is right. You should have all said, wow. That's an amazing statistic. 
I mean, we hear it all the time. It makes it sound like that no matter what you do, that one out of two, one out of three are going to be divorced. It's just not true. You have a choice about how you're going to deal with your marriage. How are you going to deal with, with those inner uh, relationships? Not one out of three, but one out of 1,105. Let's not be those people. So I want to ask you today, let's, uh, let's pray about marriage. You know, we, we have an altar at the front of our church. You know, we spell it A-L-T-A-R, like a piece of furniture, but I think we ought to spell it A-L-T-E-R like a place of alteration. So I just want to ask you this morning, would you pray about your marriage with me? Here's how we're going to do that. Um, I was hoping that maybe some of you married couples might want to pray about your marriage, whether it's good or whether it's difficult, that you would, uh, you would take the hand of your spouse if they're here with you and maybe come and just stand up at the front here today. Would some of you just start doing that right now? You come... Now, maybe while they're coming, maybe you're here without your spouse. You just want to pray about your marriage. It'd be all right. Why don't you, why don't you come and pray about your marriage? Whether it's good or whether it's difficult, let's have a prayer about marriage today. Maybe you're not married, but you're praying about marriage, praying about that person that might be your spouse. Maybe, maybe you'd like to pray about marriage even though you're not married. Maybe you're thinking about getting married uh, one of these days. I think it's so important that we pray about marriage. I was glad they came. Um, this Sunday, four years ago, uh, we were talking about sacred marriage and David Don Milam got married on this platform on Sunday morning that day. It's fantastic. March the 6th uh, that day. So good. Don't you, don't you desire marriage to last, marriage to be fulfilling. I mean, there's no doubt that, that you got some little issues. You got some problems. Man, we all do, right? We don't have perfect marriages, but we have an almighty God that will help us. You know, you notice this morning wasn't about big theology or whatever. God just said, be nice to each other. Watch your mouth. Care about one another. We, we could all do that. I'm not asking you one thing that you couldn't pull off. You can do it. You can make the most important marriage decision that you're going to make in a long time, standing right here this morning, that you would just ask God, help me watch my mouth. Help me change my attitude. Help me lay down my selfishness. Help me to think more about him or her than I think about myself. Man, maybe you're already there, but you're not perfect at it. Marriage is intended to last. And he offers us such simple guidance about how to have a lasting, fulfilling marriage. All the rest of you, would you just stand up with us as we close this service? Let's pray together. As we pray, these folks are praying for their marriage. Maybe you're praying about yourself or praying about a couple that you know of that's in trouble or struggling. Uh, let's pray about marriage together. All right, let's bow. Jesus, uh, thank you for the opportunity to be in this place today. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that you care about our families and our marriages. Those baby dedications reminded us that you're involved from the very, very beginning, from our first breath and even before. 
Lord, you care about us our whole life. And you know the relationships that you bring to us. These people that we fall in love with. Sometimes we realize, Lord, that they, they grew up way different than us. They think about things way different than we do. But Lord, we realize that they, they kind of complete us. You bring just the right person. But Lord, sometimes circumstances get all messed up and we, we, we kind of slide. We get a little lazy and complacent. So today, Lord, we pray for our marriage. I thank you for the marriage that I have with Kim. I thank you for the marriages that are represented across the front of this church and down the aisles today. I thank you for every marriage that is represented, seated in the pew somewhere there or standing in the balcony. I thank you for every married couple, Lord, where maybe only one of them is here today or uh, somebody that's married that's watching online today. Lord, we all come together and we pray that you would alter us, that you would change our ways. Today, Lord, we give up our, our patterns that maybe cause us to have problems, selfishness. Would, would you just help us delay selfishness before you today and decide that we're gonna, we're gonna give up some of our own rights, our own desires for the sake of the other. Lord, would you help us with our communication? Help us, Lord, if that's been a barrier for us. Help us to learn to communicate Lord, we pray that you would help us lose that sarcasm and, and sharp tongue and attitudes that we have. Lord, help us to make changes. And Lord, maybe there's things that you desire of us that I haven't even talked about today. Maybe you have direction and encouragement for every man here. I pray for every husband, Lord. Would you bless them? Would you help them to know how valuable they are and what a powerful influence they are in our lives. Help them to know how their words can be so uplifting or so piercing. Lord, would you help our ladies? Pray for every wife that's here today or is watching. Lord, would you encourage our ladies? Bless them. Help them, Lord, with whatever frustrations they felt. Encourage us, Jesus. Lord, I, rem I remember that day four years ago and how so many renewed vows. Today, Lord, we're not in some kind of formal way, but we're just realizing that you're just saying, be kind, be forgiving, be loving in the way you talk. Let Christ make a difference in your marriage. Let him bring the kind of transformation. Let him provide what you've been longing for, that fulfilling, lasting marriage. And Lord, we pray that every marriage that's represented here will last a lifetime. That you would keep us together, keep us growing and keep us strong. We love you. We praise you together. We thank you for marriage. And we thank you today for our marriage in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said together, amen.
give somebody a hug. Uh, right there, your spouse, preferably right there. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.